All right, here we go for Sol 96, January 22nd, minus 11 on the way into the Sports 1440 studios here at West Edmonton Mall. But warming up all day and then, uh, uh, well, a high of minus four today and plus four by Friday, even warmer for the weekend. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, welcome to the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 AM radio on our many apps, iHeartRadio on sports1440.ca. So glad you could join us uh, for the next four hours on the morning show here at Sports 1440. Uh, we had a couple little technical glitches uh, just before we got on air. So thanks for your patience for people listening to our Fox broadcast in the last uh, you know few minutes leading up to the big program here. Well, the only thing hotter than the temperatures coming up are the Edmonton Oilers as the Oilers host the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. Oilers with a record of 26-15-1 coming into this one. Thanks all in part to a 13-game winning streak. The Oilers are 23-6 and under new head coach Chris Knobloch, who's not a new head coach anymore. And really, he has to be starting to get some serious, serious consideration for the Jack Adams for coach of the year. A 23-6 and record. Uh, nothing better than that. Uh, and not the 13 games in a row is obviously a big, a big accomplishment, but 11 straight games with two goals or less. That's, that's just so impressive. Uh, Stu Skinner has been leading the, the way when it comes to that, uh, 10th straight win for Skinner over Calgary that ties Grant Fuhr's record that, uh, Grant Fuhr set in 1985-86 and, isn't it something? We will have Grant Fuhr on as our co-host every Tuesday from uh, 9 to 11 from Palm Desert, California. And, you know, Grant Fuhr will be, the first thing out of his mouth will be, oh, I'm so happy for Stu Skinner. Uh, records are made to be broken. It's the best thing that could happen to the team, the goaltender, everything. Uh, nobody wants to see more success for Stu Skinner than Grant Fuhr. And we've talked about that a lot with Grant uh, over the course of the last four or five months now that uh, he's been co-hosting with us every Tuesday. he and it, I mean, Grant Fury is the first to say again, he thinks Stu Skinner is into some serious consideration for whatever happens in a best-on-best best for Canada and the goaltending uh, situation. And he has definitely put himself in that position. After we uh, left the airwaves uh, yesterday, Corey Perry was introduced after practice and uh, had a, a little media availability and uh, you kind of, you know, I guess met the media and things like that. It was interesting to talk about uh, or to, to listen to Ken Holland saying about how how interested he's been in Corey Perry for a lot of years and going back to a long time and it just Holland's clip saying in 2019 when Corey was brought, bought out by Anaheim during my first year as GM of the Oilers I went after Corey very hard unfortunately he made the decision to go to Dallas so I've kind of been hot after Corey for the last few years I think he's the type of player that every team wants on their team incredible winning pedigree and we were just talking inside uh they were together in 2010 in Vancouver when Canada won Olympic gold. When he was in Detroit in 07, they beat us in the third round and went on to the Stanley Cup, uh, according to Holland's clip. And then uh, he won a world championship, Memorial Cup, World Juniors. So certainly he's a, a player that has been on a lot of winning teams. So uh, Corey Perry will he's still got a, a few days to work the bugs out, I guess you could say, and see exactly where he fits in this lineup. But all indications after listening to all parties that Corey Perry will uh, make his debut for the Oilers 
Saturday against Nashville, of course, Columbus here tonight, then Chicago here on Thursday, Nashville on Saturday to close out the portion of the schedule before the All-Star break. Chicago lost in Vancouver 2-0. Last night, Thatcher Demko made 32 saves for his fifth shutout of the season. Uh, L.A. can't get out of its own way. The Sharks beat L.A. 4-3 in a shootout. Uh, Kapokakinen had 43 saves. L.A. has lost 11 of 13, 53 points. Same as the Oilers in the Pacific Division. The Oilers do have a couple of games in hand. Text line open 1-833-401-1440. 1-833-401-1440. Give us a shout-out. Even give us a call if you want to talk a little Oilers, talk a little Corey Perry. See what goes on in the next uh, little bit. Oilers are now seven points back of Vegas with five games in hand. That's because Vegas lost to New Jersey in overtime last night to 6 5. Maybe the biggest. <laughs> Well, we first of all, I want to get out the get out of the way the St. Albert uh, Dodge game of the day we had yesterday. Boston beat Winnipeg four one. That's the first time in thirty five games that the uh, Jets have uh, given up three goals or more, uh, more than three goals. Pardon me. The one was an empty net, and it's funny how a lot of I guess Jets uh, fans or whatever are sort of kind of skewing the numbers a little bit, saying, "Well, the last goal was an empty net, so we're still kind of going at." Th- 35 games with three goals, but uh, kind of humorous there. Now, the the story from last night that everyone's kind of getting a good kick out of is the own goal, Pittsburgh and Arizona. Not sure if you saw it. Uh, Send us off a, a little note. What did you think of it? one 1440 So basically, delayed penalty. Pittsburgh's playing in Arizona. And Chris Letang with a really soft, slow backhand pass to Evgeny Malkin, who mishandled it in front of the net and little bobble off the heel of a stick. And just like that, it goes into the net. Uh, Letang said, if you look at it, my pass was going to the corner. It was not going in the net, but I should know better. I should not go backwards when there is no goalie, I guess. Uh, And I mean, a lot of people talking about uh, you saw Sidney Crosby. He's skating kind of back into the play. They were trying to burn some clock off because of you know they would have had a power play, a longer power play, had they uh, burned some time off the clock. But Sidney Crosby's got his stick on top of his helmet and kind of going. This is kind of what it's where the season's going. This is what it's been like for us. Pittsburgh is just inconsistent. And that's probably the easiest way to describe uh, that. And we were talking about it. Uh, let's welcome in the Duke of Delburn and even uh, our intern, Donovan, the intern. The last time that we've seen a goal like this, Lar- uh, Louis Erickson had one. It was his Vancouver Canucks debut. He had one uh, about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. That's the last one I can kind of remember. But I don't know. Some Donovan was saying something about Hawks and Oilers. What year, Donovan? Do you know? Come on, Donovan. I do not know the year on this one. When you throw out a when you throw out something like that, Donovan, you're like, like the next job. The, so is I to kind of I did look did at the you do last a deep one, dive on the it. one before. Okay, uh, it was 2022. It was Carl Haglin with the Washington Capitals. Uh, he threw it into his own okay. net, and uh, that killed them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was Louis Erickson's first game in the NHL. I think that's another one we'll have to do a deeper dive on. First game with the Canucks. Canucks, sorry. First game with the Canucks home 
Uh, it was against Calgary, 2016. Vancouver Canucks home debut now. Now I'm just seeing it right now. But what do you think of the goal, Duke? That's, I mean, okay, if you were, were going to lay some blame on this one, are you going 60-40 Melkin? Are you going 50-50? Are you going a little higher Melkin? I mean, Latang's. it's the old adage, I never pass it up a guy's rear end, right? And that's, yes. You know, he, he put Melkin in a bad position. Well, well, if you were to lay in blame here. I think I'd, I'd divvy up blame pretty close to 50-50. I agree with uh, Latang's comments. You know, you never want to move the puck backwards in that type of situation. But as he also pointed out, like, it was, like, Malkin is the one that steered it into the net. Like, it was going <laughs> well wide. So, I, I I don't know. It's I mean, this stuff happens. It's, it's kind of part of the game, and there's always, I don't know, a risk. I will say this is a little bit uglier than, like, I don't know, the... The heavy point shot that the goalie uh, kicks yeah. out Dominic Kasich style all the way back down the other way, or the pass back to the point that uh, goes the, awry in the full length of the ice. Yeah, like, length of the, those ones do, happen. That happens when you do it from within your own hash marks. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like bonehead mistake, right? Like that. That is seemingly seemingly much more easily avoidable. But it still happens. And like you said, it's kind of just a, an encapsulation I, on the Penguin season this year. With the was supposed to kind of recatapult themselves back into contender status the addition of Eric Carlson hasn't uh, exactly gone that way they're having a fine season for sure I mean they're in the mm-hmm. mix but uh, down like what are they five points out of the wild cards to the last wild card spot I don't think that's exactly where they want it to be at the halfway point they're they're inconsistent very inconsistent mm-hmm. is what they're and they are at 48 points right now Tampa Bay sits in the number two hole while well, Detroit and Tampa at 53 points so uh, tied for one and two there, but Pittsburgh. I mean, again, Arizona is a team that has kind of fallen off here. The the Coyotes, you know, they're 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 not a playoff team. I think everyone knows that. They went on a little bit of run here. They were sneaking up on a lot of teams and catching them uh, off guard. But I think now, when you when the the real chips are down and the bullets are flying here, people will see you know, teams beating Arizona because you have to beat a team like Arizona if you want to make the playoffs. Uh, again, Oilers at Columbus tonight. Zach Wierenski is getting close, very close to returning to the Columbus lineup. I don't think he will play tonight. All indications are pointing towards Thursday's game in Calgary for his return, but he's been out since December uh, 27th with a ankle injury. Patrick Liney still out. He broke his collarbone clavicle a couple weeks ago so he's not even he won't return till after the all-star break but uh, we'll touch base with Jody Shelley uh, a little later in the show he's a Blue Jackets uh, analyst and uh, he will get us totally up to date on where Columbus sits but uh, really I mean another very very disappointing season um, wanted to mention and, and kudos to uh Jerry Montajong for sniffing this one out, talking to Sam Gagne. When Sam was playing in Columbus, the Jackets had a 16-game winning streak and kind of sort of flown under the radar here in the sense, well, you know, that's a pretty big uh, story with Sam being here, obviously, and Sam was on the fourth line, and uh, kudos to Jerry, a contributor to the program here. It was uh, Columbus had that a 16-game run in 2016, 2017. That's number two on the NHL all-time list right behind the 17 wins in a row by the Pittsburgh Penguins back in 92-93. And Jerry writes in his article, you can check it out, 
in the Edmonton Sun or on Post Media, uh, Sam was centering the fourth line, was uh, on the top power play unit. So this was uh, a pretty uh, big accomplishment, you know, and, and Sam has some great comments. So check it out if you want to, to see Jerry's article. Uh, good good uh, story angle. As reporters, you're always looking for an, a story angle and a hook and, and things like that. And Jerry definitely found one there with Sam Gagne. So congrats on that article. Um Coming up at uh, 7.20, right after this commercial break, uh, Dave Burkett, Detroit Free Press, covers the Detroit Lions. And you know what? He just won the Michigan Sports Writer of the Year, Duke. Did you know that? I actually didn't. I because I fourth follow, time. I follow Dave on, on Twitter mm-hmm. for all the uh, – he has some great insight of the Lions, of course, you know, right uh, on hand and stuff. But uh, I did, like – he must have not have tweeted that out. Probably. No, no. Not, not trying to t- not tune his not tune Guess his what I horn. did. Guess yeah. what happened to look, me today. Look, look at me. So that, that's probably why I would have missed it. But uh, just shout out Dave. He, he has some great coverage of the Lions down there and uh, some other Detroit uh, sports as well. Yeah. So. And I mean, Detroit's such a, it's a good sports town. You know, when you look at it again with, you know, college football and, you know, the Red Wings hopefully are turning things around and getting back to where the Wings were. For so many years, they had such deep, um, uh, deep teams, and of course, this was pre-salary cap, a lot of it, and and they had a really strong farm system too. So they were they were building things all the right way in Detroit. Plus, I mean, they had as much money as uh, as um, Illich wanted to spend. So, uh, coming up at eight o'clock, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, uh, eight forty. Brent Sake was going to join us in studio, but he said uh, shot me off a text at two thirty in the morning and said uh, he is busy flooding out. Uh, at Sakers Acres for the world's longest game kids edition. That's the second time. So the world's longest game kids edition is this weekend. And with the temperatures heating up this weekend, he's going to have to put a lot of water down, uh, get a good base going out there at Sakers Acres. Grant Fuhr will be our co-host as he does every Tuesday from 9 to 11. Uh, We will have his old buddy, Freddie Brathwaite who's a goaltending coach in Henderson in the AHL. Uh, that'll be at 10 o'clock. And then Jody Shelley again, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets analyst at 1020. When we come back, we'll talk a little NFL football with uh, Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. It's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show right after the break. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Yes, everybody is losing their mind in Detroit. And, uh, man, we've got a great guest to talk all about that. Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press covers the Detroit Lions. Uh, Dave, welcome to Sports 1440 with Kevin Carries. Good morning. Uh, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, morning. How are you guys? We're doing great. And, uh, I mean, that song kind of uh, says it all. I would imagine what it's like to be in Detroit right now with this team capturing the imagination, not only just in, you know, in Michigan and area, but I think across the country, even here in Canada. What's it like to be having a, a front row seat for all of this? What's going on with the Lions? No, you're right. I mean, this is, you know, I think the Lions are the oddest story, not just locally, but, you know, nationally. I mean, everyone sort of... Um, can relate to them in some ways because they've they've come from so far down. You know, this was a, a beaten up organization, and no one expected much of them until really you know this season, and then the rise they've had. And you know, I think some of the personalities they have on their team, starting with their coach Dan Campbell, you know, a lot of a lot of people that you root for, I guess. So um, they don't have a lot of enemies. Maybe that helps. You know, people want to see them do well because they haven't in so long, and they're a fun team to watch. And, 
hey, they've been playing pretty darn good football, and for them to be in the NFC Championship game for the first time in 32 years says a lot about where the organization has come and about the people in charge. Yeah, they've come a long way. Uh, Dave Burkett, uh, our guest on Sports 1440. So, Mentioning Dan Campbell, uh, such a leader, and you see that with how the team is following him and, uh, you know, the city for for that matter. Uh, What do you see from him, how he's grown to where he is kind of from the day that he was hired to where he is just one game away from going to the Super Bowl here? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt he's he's grown as a coach. Um, But, you know, the reality is is that he's – very much the same guy he was when he took over and, and in a lot of ways the same, you know, coach. I mean, he, he still takes risks on the field sometimes to, to people's, you know, dislike, uh, but, you know, they're founded in analytics and they have an amazing effect on the team in terms of the confidence they instill in players when he, he keeps the ball in his offense's hands on a fourth and two at midfield, you know, instead of punting and, and you know the trust he has in his defense if those those things don't go well and you know i think the um the domino effect if you will from from those decisions it's it's just it's paid forward so much um you know over the course of the years and he has a, a locker room of, of guys that believe in him you know he has a coaching staff uh that trusts the you know the the vision that he has for games and, and a staff that's really developed players and put some pretty good game plans together themselves. So that's why his his coordinators are in high demand. But look, Dan is um, I don't know if he's going to win Coach of the Year this year. He's certainly one of the leading candidates for it. You know, D'Amico Ryan down in Houston, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. I think both did wonderful jobs as well. But you know, even though the Lions maybe came into the season with higher expectations, I think what Dan has done and some of the decisions that he's made to to directly impact games and, and get the Lions victories. I, I don't think that can be overlooked. Dave Burkett with us on Sports 1440. Uh, you mentioned the coordinators and uh, defensively, Aaron Glenn and uh, Campbell was uh, speaking, you know, great things about him in one of your recent uh, articles. Uh, Dave, what what has Aaron Glenn done to this defense that, again, the, the instilling that confidence and being what the defense is right now? Yeah, look, the the defense was, you know, everyone thought it was the weak link coming into the season. And, you know, certainly it's always taking a backseat to the Lions with, with Ben Johnson and Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown, what they've done that offensive line. But, you know, I, I do think maybe, you know, we haven't given that unit and, and Glenn in particular enough credit for some of the things they've done this year. You know, he's he's sort of made a change at midseason, started bringing some more secondary pressures, and that's really helped uh um, you know, not just the sack percentage, but the, the pressure rate that they get on opposing quarterbacks, which, you know, has in turn made them a, a better defense. They've, they've created more turnovers. They've, they've made things tougher on opponents in the red zone and, uh, you know, in some got to have it type situations. And look, you know, they, they still have their, their shortcomings. You know, they don't get enough out of their four man pass rush and their secondary has some issues, especially at the cornerback spot. But, you know, he's, he's built up a, a pretty good thing over there. You know, they've, they've got a nice rotation going at safety. They, they've got a really nice rotation at linebacker. Eden Hutchinson has played really mm-hmm. well over the last month. And, you know, the last two games, I don't know if the Lions would be here without that defense, stopping the Rams three times on red zone possessions, holding them to field goals in the, that first playoff game. And then last week, two interceptions, obviously, and, you know, a couple of real timely blitzes that helped them get off the field. So, um, you know, Aaron Glenn probably doesn't get enough credit for some of the success the Lions have had. Yeah, a couple of uh, interceptions, four sacks. Uh, where would you say Aiden Hutchinson's playing right now at his level? What uh, is he kind of peaking? Or I mean, we've seen him play great uh, yeah. for so many stretches of the season. Where, where is he at right now? 
Yeah, no, he's he's been on a tear of late, and I, I do think he's playing the the best football that he's played, you know, in his time with the Lions. And frankly, you know, the Lions have to be, uh, you know, they should be writing the Jacksonville Jaguars a thank you note after the season for for passing on Aiden Hutchinson with the first pick of, of last year's draft. I mean, you know, Hutchinson has. Uh, you know, eight sacks over the past four games. I, I think it's about, you know, 18 or 20 quarterback hits. He's just been on a tear uh, coming off that edge. And the Lions need that because they, they truly, they, they don't have another, you know, real force as an edge rusher. But, you know, Hutchinson's motor, his ability to get to the quarterback no matter what's going on. And his sack last week, no one blocked him. So, you know, some of those things happen over the, the course of the season. But he was still able to impact the game uh, from his, his rush end position. Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press, our guest on Sports 1440, the Kevin Carey Show, 727 in Edmonton. Offensively, Dave, uh, Jared Goff continues to just uh, make the proper decisions and the weapons that he has. Uh, I mean, I'm on Ross St. Brown, one of the top two, three receivers in the league. What have you seen from this offense in the playoffs? Have they changed anything or is it kind of the same offense that we saw in the regular season? Yeah, I don't know that they've they've changed much. I mean, you know, they're they're very specific, obviously, with their their approaching games. Um, you know, maybe they they didn't run it quite, um, you know, as much or as early as as you'd normally expect last week against the Bucks. But but Dan Campbell said that was due, you know, really to Tampa's defense. You know, he compared it to, you know, taking a, a sledgehammer to a steel door. Right when when you're playing a run run defense that, that that's that good, you got to loosen it up somehow. And they did that with the pass and. You know, then Jameer Gibbs hit that big run uh, fourth quarter for the, the go-ahead touchdown. And, you know, that, that was really the thing that put them over 100 yards, the thing that, that made it look like they had a really good run game, but they, they didn't up until then. So, you know, you'd like to see them run the ball a little bit better, um, especially this week in San Francisco where they're going to need that. Certainly the offensive line with, with Jonah Jackson's injuries not going to play this week. That's their starting left guard. Um, you know, that could be a concern here against the 49ers. But, you know, by and large, Jared Goff has played good football, taking care of the ball. Amon Ross St. Brown is still getting his touches. Um, and, you know, the Lions are still leaning heavily on their rookies, Jameer Gibbs and Sam LaPorta. And really, they have the best one-two bunch at running back out of the four teams left. Would you, is that safe to say that's easily the case? I'm sorry, say that one more time. Well, the, uh, the one-two punch at running back with uh, David Montgomery and yeah. Jameer Gibbs, uh, that's the best one-two punch of any team left uh, in the playoffs. Is that safe to say? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I just missed what you said no worries, there. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, the Lions were, you know, top five rushing team in the NFL this season. And, you know, I personally have I've written this, you know, before. I, I think Gibbs needs more touches, mm-hmm. but... You know, it's it's tough to argue with the way they ran the ball. And David Montgomery has a sledgehammer. Certainly has a, you know, has a role there. I mean, he's the one that wears that defense down early, and and then you know you get in the four minute offense, and he can do some things late with it. I mean, you know, the Forty ers run game with Christian McCaffrey that that's the best one out there, and he's mm-hmm. the best running back. But uh, in terms of and you know, obviously when you have a, a threat like Lamar Jackson, that's a totally different, uh, you know the thing that you're talking about with, with what Baltimore can do running the ball. But in terms of just a two-back tandem, I, I think you're right that, that Gibbs and Montgomery are you know one of the best in the league, frankly. Uh, Dave, how impressed have you been with Sam Laporta just sort of gutting it out here? I mean, he's not even close to 100%, but, uh, man, he's giving it everything he can here being injured and still playing. Yeah, there's there's a few of those guys. I mean, obviously Frank Ragnall played through some injuries last week. Alex Anzalone is another guy that – 
that I don't think people realize, you know, the, the severity of what he's playing with. I should have an article published shortly on that on Freak.com. But, you know, uh, Sam Laporta, that's another one that, you know, when he suffered that injury against the Vikings in Week 18, I think a lot of people thought that, um, you know, maybe his season was done. You know, it, it looked kind of nasty the way his knee bent, and he's been out there playing in a big hulking knee brace and, you know, making some contributions. You think about that the game against Tampa last week, you know, Laporta did not have a great game against them the first time around. Just that's a pretty good linebacking core, and Levante David, you know, played well on, on Laporta. And then last week he set an NFL rookie you know, playoff record for receptions by a tight end. And, and those catches didn't go for huge yards, but they, they were some big plays in the game. And so the fact that he's out there and still able to do what he's he's been doing, that that's that's huge for a Lions team that right now is really shorthanded at the tight end position. Dave Burkett, Detroit Free Press, our guest on Sports 1440. So Dave, uh, San Fran will be the favorite going into this game, and rightfully so. But Detroit, I mean, San Fran almost got upset by Green Bay, and Green Bay had every right to win that game. What did the Lions have to do? What are the keys for Detroit to uh, come out of uh, San Fran with a win and move on to the Super Bowl here? Yeah, look, I've, I've thought all year San Francisco has been the best team in the NFC. Um, and at points of the year, if I'm being honest, I, I didn't think there were any teams in the NFC that were going to challenge them. But watching that game last week, and maybe there was a little bit of rust. You know, they had the bye week off, and they didn't play the week before their starters, you know, a whole lot. So maybe maybe there was, there was something to that, the weather. Uh, but they look they looked vulnerable. And, you know, if you're the Lions, I think there's there's two things. You know, the, the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan have never been a great, you know, come-from-behind team. So you can score some points early if you can get up on them. That puts a lot of pressure on, on that offense. And, uh, you know, their strength being the running game to, to maybe do some different things and, and, you know, have Brock Purdy air it out when, when maybe that's not what he's best at. So mm-hmm. I think that's the key offensively. Defensively, it all starts with stopping you know, Christian McCaffrey, again, he's, he's the best running back in the NFL. He was my vote for NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Um, I think, you know, he's a he's a guy that um, is tracking towards the Hall of Fame, and he is the key to the, the 49ers offense. So if you shut him down, and the Lions have been really good against the run this season, they haven't been great lately, um, then you have a chance to, to win in San Francisco. And just getting back to Dan Campbell uh, for, a, for a moment, Dave, um, uh, growing up, where I grew up in Saskatchewan, we used to get the Detroit Cable, and we had a, our Friday co-host in, uh, on Sports 1440's Eddie Steele. Uh, this is going to be a long kind of a comment here, but uh, I talked to him about uh, watching Detroit TV in the 80s, and I, that's our cable package that we got back in the day, and Bernie Smilovitz and Dare Don and Eli Zaret, all these guys, these great Detroit broadcasters and sportscasters. But watching the Lions in the 80s, uh, Chris Spielman was my favorite football player. And I told our, my co-host, Eddie Steele, on the Friday, and I said, Dan Campbell has so many qualities of, of Chris Spielman and, and vice versa. Uh, is there a chance you, you see that too? Or, or what do you, what's your take on that? Yeah, you know, I don't. I, I mean, certainly, you know, I think that's part of why they connected during the whole, you know, head coach hiring process. That, that's part of it. But more than just Chris Spielman, I, I think it's kind of – you know, what you think a football player should be in a lot of ways, right? Like, you know, the, the imagery of this, this tough, you know, player who's playing through injuries, who it doesn't matter who the opponent is, who's out there, you know, he's always fighting for his teammates. He doesn't need the credit. It's right. He's one of 11. And, and, you know, that's how Dan was as a player, right? He was a, a blocking tight end. And, you know, he was a guy who, you know, never, never got a lot of headlines and, you know, yet he was in there every day in the grind, fighting through the injuries, doing everything, and he's built 
that team and his image. And, and I think that's why, you know, he resonates with so many people in Detroit, obviously, but also around the league and around the country, you know, because football people see like, man, this is, this is kind of what I want in my players. This is what I want my team to look like. And, and Dan has built that, you know, he's built this team and his image in a lot of ways. And so there's a lot of people that, that really respect that. And I think there's a lot of football fans out there that when they hear Dan talk and they hear how emotional he is about, mm-hmm. you know, the game and, and winning and losing and like that, that's just something that, that rings true to them too. So that, that all goes and plays a, a big role in why the Lions are, are so popular right now around the country and, and why there are so many people rooting for them, you know, to, to make the Super Bowl and maybe win for the first time mm-hmm. ever. Uh, hey, David, congratulations on Michigan Sports Writer of the Year. Fourth time. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's, uh, you know, I don't know what it all means, but someone had told me, you know, Mitch Elbum and Joe Falls are the only writers to win more. So, you know, I guess that's good company to be in, if nothing else. Well, Mitch Elbum, again, that was one of the guys from the 80s for me, you know, uh, watching all the Detroit TV because he was on all the time as well. But uh, congratulations on the award. On the award. Uh, look forward to reading your stuff uh, moving on here uh, to the uh, NFC Championship in San Fran. Thanks for coming on today. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Yeah, that's a Dave Burkett, Detroit Free Press, covers the Lions, four-time Michigan Sports Writer of the Year. Uh, he mentioned Mitch Album, Duke. I I would imagine you've never heard of Mitch Album. I have not. Mitch Album was a pretty big-time writer back in the day, and he had he had a thing called uh, he wrote a book. Well, he wrote several books, but one of the books was called. Uh, Tuesdays with Maury it turned into a big television production. And what it was about was his uh, old professor in journalism school. Uh, I, I think it was, I think he either got, he might have had ALS, I think. Anyway, and he wanted to reconnect with his old professor. And then he ended up going and spending every Tuesday with him for many years and helping, you know, with his health care and things like that. Uh, pretty emotional book, pretty emotional uh, uh, television made for TV movie as well. Uh, Tuesdays with Maury. If you get a chance, read it, watch it. It's, a, it's, a, it's very inspirational. Uh, when we come back, we'll, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk to Connor McDavid. We've got Connor McDavid and Chris Knobloch at our, at our uh, perusal here. Look at the Duke, just on fire again today. Like in, in Donovan, nothing. Donovan, come well, on. No, Donovan did uh, did check his... Uh, <laughs> yes, that's, we better get that out there now. He checked his... Uh, he went back and did some more digging and tracked it down What he was the Patrick Kane bank pass uh, into the empty and net. Uh, Mark, where Mark Arcobello. Was credited with the goal for the Oilers. And what was the date, Donovan? 2014? Yeah, 10 years. Yeah. Wow. I remember Mark Arcobello. Legend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A real legend, yeah. Get that, number, were, get that number in the rafters. Those were some dark days. There's a few well, years there that was just, I oh. can't remember who, I, I really apologize, if it was something I saw on Twitter or if someone had texted this in yesterday or something in between the two where it said, like, if you think back to 10 years ago or that rough time span where the Oilers' bottom six, not a one of them amongst them, was really an NHL caliber player, and now where they're at, where yeah. you're having to scratch and wave and send down um, legitimate, legitimate bottom legitimate six players, forwards yeah. just to make room. So obviously a, a very different time for this franchise, and it's a, a positive one for sure as the Oilers kind of head into the second half here, looking to uh, continue this great momentum they uh, they've been riding. There were some tough years there, Duke, <laughs> before before the bingo ball fell. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, check in with the captain, Connor McDavid. Keep speaking of that. Uh, you know, 2015, there you go. Uh, that's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, 
7.40 break means one thing. The Duke with B.A., Brian Adams, Diana. A text coming in, one 1440 Stair Farmer comes in with his daily chimer. Good morning, boys. Go Oilers, go. I think the Perry edition adds some really good Stanley Cup playoff experience. Oilers really needed that. The King of Fort Nasty with his daily dig at the Duke. I feel the Oilers are building a team that can make a push for the Cup. Maybe Ken Holland can make a couple creative trades before the deadline. Like the time the Duke was short on cash, so we traded... Kind of, I think two wiener dogs for a keg of beer and a couple cans of snuff before a Friday night grad party. Cheers, the king of Fort Nasty. You know, he's kind of, he had some real good ones at the start, but you just can't come up with that creativity every day. I every think. every day, that's it's hard. tough. I mean, hey, you know, I'll, and some of them, I'll be honest, some of them uh, really do... Is it wiener pro- dogs or approach? hogs? Was well, wiener hogs, I can understand where he's coming from. If I had like maybe a couple prize show pigs or something, <laughs> I was uh, trading trading them across for a couple cold ones and... Uh, a few tins of snuff. Um, you know what? You know what's fun? Is did you that, ever chew snuff? Yeah, yeah, briefly in high school I did. And when I was working uh, my first like summer job away from the farm, now, um, did you? Was it in the bags or was it straight like the Copenhagen uh, rough out the, cut out of the tin? Or, yeah. yeah. Some guys will take the little tea bags because they don't want to get all the crap. That in their that teeth. was kind of before the pouches were really had really reached popularity oh, okay. i guess i think at least they were around um i chewed a few more of the pouches and stuff when i got to university because yeah. uh, it was cleaner so if you're out of the bar or something obviously it wasn't quite as uh, uh messy to be t- putting in and taken out but i thankfully have left that habit uh, well in well in my past um but it's funny he says the thing about the snuff because as we <laughs> mentioned yesterday i was um delburn farmers bond spiel on this week as the curling club <laughs> celebrates its uh, 100th anniversary this uh this year guys are chewing stuff on the ice still well 100 percent. but so there's this local and i just i have to bring this up because this reminded me of it garth zackley family friend here lived a couple miles down the road when we like i basically grew up in the delburn curling rink my parents were both big curlers there every night of the week for my dad's there a men's night mom on ladies whatever and garth if you, any kid, didn't matter, if you, like, stuck your tongue out at him or said a, like, swore or said a bad word, he'd, he'd catch you, he'd rasp you down, and then he'd pull his tin out, Whoa. and he'd put some snus or some snuff yeah, in, snus, in yeah. your mouth. And that was uh, to teach you to uh, to not do such uh, inappropriate things. That would, and get it, a, it was, that would get a small children's attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I had to shout out, shout out Garth. Corey Perry signs with the Oilers yesterday. I think... I would say 99% of Oilers fans, Oilers Nation, are quite happy, extremely happy with the signing. It was discussed yesterday after Oilers practice uh, with, you know, Coach K, Ken Holland, and also the captain, Connor McDavid. Connor, just maybe your reaction to adding uh, a player like Corey Perry with that Stanley Cup pedigree? Yeah, obviously a guy that uh, has got a tremendous amount of experience. Um, He's obviously won. He's been right there uh, year after year. So um, brings a lot of experience, a lot of leadership, uh, a lot of those intangible qualities that um, you can't just teach. Um, so you know, obviously a really good, you know, great ad for us. Describe playing against Corey Perry. <laughs> well, I think Oilers fans got a good memory of what it's like playing Corey Perry. You know, he's all over the net. Um, you know, just a gamer. You know, play. You know, is is has played in some of the biggest games you can possibly play in, and 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 won those games. So, um, like I said, you can't teach that type of experience. You can't um, replicate that, other than a guy that's been there and done that. And um, obviously, he's uh, 
He's done all that. How much value, when you guys went three rounds there, you had Duncan Keith with you, how much value is there to having players that have been through that and seen it through, like that one specific thing, having won that cup? I, I feel like it's really important. Um, you know, having Dunk that during that, you know, kind of our, our run there was uh, was great. Just a calming voice. Um, somebody that's uh, that's been there in those positions you know you know we really leaned on him when we were heading to LA um, down 3-2 needing to win a road game you know and, and he's just a calming voice and um, you know gives his experiences of times he's been in that position and, and uh, can calm the group down and obviously we uh, we loved having Dunk as our teammate and would expect uh, Paris to be the same way. Yeah, I think it looks good on him. Um, you know, definitely rather have him on on, on our side than, than playing against him. Yeah, I think that is. You know, you always hear that. You know, hate to play against them, love to play with them. You always hear you always hear those about certain players, and he would certainly um, you know fit that category. Um, and I'm excited to get a chance to play with him. Is there a message sent from the front office to this dressing room when a player like Corey's, Corey's brought into this team? I don't think there's any messages that need to be sent from the front offices. Front, front office. I think collectively as an organization, we know where we're at um, in terms of, of uh, you know wanting to win. Um, you know we're we're definitely past that phase of you know management sending messages and vice versa. So um, we know where we're at. Obviously, Paris is brought in to. Uh, to, to be a part of our group and, and to uh, to help us achieve what we want to achieve. Look at the improvement that the group has made, Connor. How much about internal improvement is it? You look at some of the players you've had, the steps they've taken, like your to-do list at the trade deadline, you can look at your roster and go, a lot of guys have grown into these roles that maybe some would have thought you needed to go fill. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously when you're at the, the lowest of the low, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, looking at yourself that goes on and I think everybody collectively um, realized they had a little bit more to give all of us from top to bottom and you know there's no there's no special thing that's coming in to save your group um, it's just everybody um, playing better and I think you've seen that across the lineup I think obviously goaltending has been great um, I think all 60 men have played uh, at a tremendously high level um, you know, and you look at the contributions from guys all over the lineup up front, you know, from Clouder, Fogues, DR scoring big goals, the penalty kill. Um, you know, it's coming from everybody, so um, that's a good sign. Is it positive you get a player like this, like Evander Kane, you don't have to give up anything I think it's always a positive when you can add and, and, never, and not give up. I think that's, uh, that's a, a great thing. Um, so to add someone like Corey Perry um, and not have to give it anything up is a, is a huge is a huge win for our group um, I think the two of them will definitely give us a lot of personality on the ice and, and a lot of uh, a lot of that um, maybe nastiness sometimes that that, uh, that you need um, at the right time did you just like playing against him did I dislike playing against Corey Perry yes uh, <laughs> yeah I think uh, I think uh, the majority of the guys around the league dislike playing against Corey Perry yeah, hopefully he's a little nicer to his teammates uh, than he is. Uh, but but uh, than he is uh, in a game when you're playing against him. But um, you know, like I said, certainly glad he's on our side. 
That's Oilers captain Connor McDavid following practice yesterday. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Kevlar says Corey Perry is a junkyard dog with hands and a heart trophy. What more could you ask for? Uh, good to have him on our team. And I, I think, I mean, you hear what Connor McDavid said, and that's that's speaking on behalf of everyone on the team. And we've talked about it. We talked about it all show yesterday. The fact that. When he was on the opposition, you hated playing against him. But now that he's on your team, uh, you love him. In on Saturday, when he will, we think that he will make his debut on Saturday against Nashville. That would give the Oilers three Hart Trophy winners, Duke, on the ice at the same time. Three on the same team. I don't know I, if that's not a record. It's above average. Three Rocket Richard Trophy winners. Three Rockets. Three Hearts. Pretty good. One Stanley Cup. <laughs> that's a, that's that's a little the main less one. That, that is a little less good. That's um, the main thing here. It, it's something that I think that can really get overlooked about. And we heard Connor speak about it when asked about the actual importance of having somebody that has gone the distance. And and yes, it, it is you know coming up on a pretty long time ago that Corey Perrier did win the Stanley Cup in 2007. But going to three straight cup finals, I mean, that is experience that's pretty intangible. And he spoke about the importance of having a guy like Duncan Keith, who, of course, won the three Stanley Cups. Because the Oilers, they went to a conference final, but they came up pretty well short in that series against Colorado, uh, as we all remember pretty uh, vividly. So, I mean, I don't know. Does having one guy that's done that make a difference? That's really only for the guys in the room to say, I think, because until you're actually there and have gone through it and you can have uh, Corey Perry, who's not the most outspoken guy, I don't think, but uh, if all of a sudden it comes down to an elimination game in the third or fourth round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and he says, listen, guys, like this is exactly what we felt like in, in 07 or, or 2020 mm-hmm. or whatever, right? And you just have something to lean on where it's not completely fabricated and you know it comes from a, um, a place of truth in his own memory and experience. I do think that has a, has a lot of value to go along with, of course, the fact that he is still a good hockey player who, like Kevlar said, yeah. uh, has the soft touch in tight and is an absolute uh, dickhead to play against <laughs> out there. So, uh, Oilers in Columbus tonight, the special teams, always a factor in every game. Uh, Oilers power plays, it stayed right around 25% here for a good portion of this streak, kind of a little bit above, just maybe a touch low, but it's right now 25.4%. That's sixth in the league. And you know what? Like last year, they were, you were talking about a historic run at, at 33% or whatever it was, 32.5. Or, uh, this is still a very lethal, lethal power play. And you want when you want your, your power play and your PK, it used to be you wanted those percentages to add up to 100. Now, that standard is higher now because it's what's the league has turned into so many players of high quality, high caliber playing special teams and penalty killing. Right. So you want it. It used to be a hundred and the Oilers uh, PK unit is at 82.2 power play 25.4. So you want it now probably 103, 104. That's that's when you combine the two totals. It used to be a hundred was great. Now I think it's just increased just a tad. When we come back, top of the hour, Mark Spector on the mark for Booster Juice and Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff, our headliner of the day, plus Brent Sake, world's longest hockey game for kids, coming up at 840. Uh, before all that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by 
First round, watch NFL football at first round, the division championships this Sunday. You got Detroit and San Fran, and then you've got Kansas City and Baltimore. Check them out at first round. You could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.